TB Moore is an Australian artist currently based in New York. His works engage with a variety of mediums, such as film, video and theatrics, which invite the viewer to question what is real. He's soon to be transforming the gallery spaces at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art in Melbourne for his exhibition With Love and Squalor, which opens on Saturday the 15th of August. I'm Annika Christensen, Exhibition Manager at ACCA and Coordinating Curator of the Exhibition, and I'm excited to be here at RMIT University, where TV Moore is completing a residency with the School of Art, to talk to him about his broader art practice, his interests, and how these things condense down into his latest exhibition. With Love and Squalor brings together both a mixture of new work that's been commissioned especially for this exhibition, with others that have been created over the past few years. And Tim, when you've been talking about the show, you've described a desire to place the viewers in a heightened or altered space. Can you talk a little bit about what one might see when they visit With Love and Squalor at ACCA? Yeah, I don't know. It's always always an interesting one. Uh, You know, I guess the genesis began when Juliana invited me to do the show or whatever, and then when you think about how large or what kind of spaces you're dealing with, and once I decided that it was going to be the whole thing... I, you know, wanted to begin an exercise in making it a holistic approach to exhibition design, I guess. So now, even for me in the last five years or whatever, if I go to the Met in New York or anywhere else, it's, I'll, I'll look at specific things like, uh, you know, the, the section of Egypt or Africa or whatever, and I'll just specifically look at those things, just not in terms of anthropology, but more in terms of exhibition design and, and other things. So when I realized it was like a condensed two years worth of work now, I was like, that's a, and all the work is kind of similar in some kind of way, um, to kind of rebuild that as kind of a Sims cartoon as one kind of approach to design. So just by proxy, you're going to experience five or six different works that are singular works, but it's kind of a holistic vision because of the similarity in terms of content of what you're seeing. So that's just a different approach now. So like, you know, the viewer... You know, there's obviously a large space that I'm treating kind of minimally, which is a large cartoon, and then other spaces are sound pieces and other things. But overall, it's kind of a, not a utopian experience, but one singular experience of different works, if that makes sense. It does. And so you're hoping to kind of create, I guess, like a, is a sculptural experience for the viewer, as well as kind of a passive way of viewing? Like... I, I think so. If you look at it like a Sims cartoon or like just or as an exercise in that, like you're dealing with the screen so on the one hand in terms of content I'm proving that or looking at or speaking to the idea that screen culture does have some kind of emotion and feeling to it so then by proxy kind of taking that idea from the screen and then putting that in a physical space in the white cube just simply by painting or using lighting or everything else or just the archways which is like a knockoff from the sims you're creating this kind of holistic viewing experience which is a a feeling of emotion as well like all you know it's like um I'll get to the singular works in a minute, but it's, you know, I'm just totally interested in creating an environment more than anything else. And this whole, all of ACCA is an environment. It's not just like piece after piece, even though the experience is you're you know, watching one piece, then moving on to the next. But I'm kind of interested in creating the whole thing as one idea more than anything else. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so your recent interest in holistic exhibition design has also coincided with another newfound fascination with animation. Mm-hmm. And hand-style animation in particular is a kind of often laborious process, I guess, one that's maybe slightly outmoded in this day and age with technology. And there's a particular term that you use to describe this, which I really like, which is the archaeology of technology. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by this term and why it's of interest in your practice? Yeah, I don't... Well, well, the cartoon thing first, I'll do with that first of all, like... As a kid, there's, well, they're not rated, you know what I mean? So as a child, you would have watched Roadrunner get killed like a million times. So it's more about gesture and language than anything else. So 
I'd never really thought about it before as like an art trope for me. But in the last five years, like, or, you know, even when I went to CalArts a long time ago, that's, you know, that's like, that's a Pixar mafia, that kind of idea of that school. But I'd never really transitioned that in terms of language or using cartoon in my work. But now in terms of the language of the internet and information culture and everything else, it just felt like the right time for me to be experimenting with that. Like I was kind of over point and shoot and everything else. And just I felt like, I'll just turn this off, sorry. Um, that I could just get away with a lot more and speak to the language of cartoon now in very different ways. So, you know, so with the hand-drawn stuff, so for example, the first animation I think I made a few years ago, which was a gesture of the Fisher and Weiss, the way things go. So by turning that on itself, in a sense, or re-looking at that, and it's an ode to them as well, but I've hand-drawn that as a Disney animation film, but using just a, a select, you know, three-minute segue of that. There's the en Enya kind of um, remix of one of her songs as well, which is like a, a take on time more than anything else. But it's just kind of holding on to this idea of something that's happened in art history, I guess, but mm -hmm. it's a gesture of something. But making it new, but at the same time you're dealing with something that is laborious and is like endless. Whether the viewer knows that or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it's just a slowed down version of something. And the same with the Vin Diesel, the Vinish 3D piece as well. It's like oh, the Bastian Alder crying work. There's like gestures of, of that. So there's these historical kind of references, but again, they're gestural. So it's like a, a long time ago I was interested in the hysteria of character and things of that nature. And now it's just like, you know, the gesture of something is equally as important. And there's like inherent freedom in that. Mm -hmm. So if I'm dealing with, you know, there's another piece I made, which is, you know, it's a, it's a narrative Looney Tunes cartoon. So there's this psychedelic decadence and surrealism that takes place in, in that work. But I'm dealing with, you know, a 1940s cartoon, like a direct kind of lift, but reinterpretation where my protagonist is Picasso running from, you know, one of his most famous paintings and dealing with that. So there's, it's, it's, it's pop surrealism, really, but I'm feeling like I can get away with more um, language and more movement than I can with just, you know, point and shoot. So at the moment, this is really fun. I mean, it's just really fun for me to deal with more than anything else. And, and in next year or in a few months, I'll be moved on to something else, probably. But Aka seemed like the right time to kind of put all these ideas and this feeling in place, I guess. So, so does the genesis for like a lot of your films come from art history? Because while these are kind of like a pop take on, you know, Picasso or mm -hmm. on um, Fishley and Vice, mm -hmm. I mean, where do you start as an idea when you're making these works? You never, as David Lynch said, you never really know where an idea comes from. You know, and we're so bombarded with information and whatever. And I've always had a pretty decent filter of what I'm into at a particular you know, point in time. So it was more uh, just a wanting to deal with animation as a trope more than anything else. And it was always there. I just couldn't find the right thing to be working with. So once I'd come across, or once I'd read, looked at the Fisher and Weiss thing, I just thought that was like the most appropriate thing to speak to. You know, not just playing in the mud of history, but just reinterpreting it for me and keeping me kind of satisfied and happy in terms of content. But speaking to, you know, how fast-paced everything is at the moment or whatever else, and Disney is something that, particularly that style of anime, just really isn't done at all. Sure. So just by having, you know, a lot of the new works, so a lot of the way I've been working the last couple of years is everything starts with my hand, you know, like traditionally. Even the paintings, they're like, you know, they're oil paintings, you know, to begin with. But then as the process, be you know, begins, my hand kind of dissipates and disappears. 
from the process that becomes much more about technology and everything else. But it all starts with my hand. It all starts with the drawings are very tactile, yeah. like caveman. But you know, but then it really just it becomes about something completely different. I think that's really interesting, the use of your hand, because I guess um, my next question was going to be that sort of with animation and sound being mm -hmm. key themes within the work, there's mm -hmm. kind of an overarching interest in technology, mm -hmm. clearly, as well. Um, and Self and Self, which is a new work that you're making, which mm -hmm. I haven't seen and I'm very excited mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. sort of takes this interest in technology to a kind of new level, I guess, mm -hmm. in that you're examining the cult of the selfie, which is sure. so ubiquitous now sure. in contemporary social media. Mm -hmm. And so given that you've been working in video for a long time, mm -hmm. how has the internet uh, and by extension social media kind of changed your practice as an artist? I think just again, just the level of information and being such a daily part of your exercise and me being a cinematic kid, was always this daydreaming and filming things or whatever and just I think I just got to the point where I might end up making a movie in a couple of years or whatever but that's beside the point it's just now there's this bombardment with information and I think it's about finding your niche within that of what you want to re represent you know so again it's keeping my interests alive you know more than anything else and and again it's always in, in flux and it changes so you know the selfie thing for example I mean for example these are or like I make some gif films as well recently which are cartoons which are some shown somewhere else in a month i think um it's just slowing things down again like so the selfie you know i'm interested in that obviously just in terms of like the amount of control i don't want to give too much away about it but the amount of control the the the, the, the taker has and you know the amount of self-control that you have on the image that you're taking of yourself and in terms of composition in terms of framing in terms of everything that's super interesting but that piece is simply a frat boy that I've chosen. I don't want to say who, who it is, but it's you know sure. it's a quasi celebrity. But it's um again it's gestural, but um it's he is stuck in in a loop of just selfie and there's like you know there's a, there's a lot of selfie sticks involved. But it's again these things can be considered the films can be considered sculpture also, you know. So that's a big part of it. But again, there's just this control, not just narcissism, but the control of your image. You know, the control even just physically of the framing and everything else, which is just. Interesting. So my guy is just stuck in a sunset, you know, like a Superman cartoon, just continually just taking different versions of himself, you know? Sure. So, uh, you know, I'm still building it, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And that's kind of a luxury to have as well, like, just as I get older or whatever, like, um, to just be calm about it all. That work probably won't be finished until the day of the show and whatever, and it's just it's, it's kind of a nice opportunity to be loose in yeah. that way and not hold the ball so tight. But okay. we're getting there. Um, and I guess another overarching thing within the show is sort of the idea of machines having feelings, mm -hmm. um, which is also present in a new sound work that you're making. Mm -hmm. um, are you able to talk a little bit about that one? Sure, well? sure, sure. sure. I, I guess Vim is like a good stand-in for that. Like yeah. Vim Diesel just feels at the moment, or in the last couple of years I've thought about him, but just he's like a nice blank canvas, like a mask for, say, for example, for male masculinity, yeah. for example. And I think there are a few things that he released in the last couple of years just online, which are quite private moments of himself, right? So we're all at home with webcams and doing whatever. That can that technology can lend itself to so many different things. But for him, he's on XC or whatever, and he's dancing, and it's quite there's a vulnerability with it, within that. And that's a private thing, but once you press public and it's gone online, that's exposing a pretty, like, you know, an interesting dichotomy of the... Of, of what masculinity actually means, but it's like an emotional kind of thing. And I had a gut reaction the minute I saw that and thought, that's like a really nice stand-in or something I want to speak to. So my guy is Vin Diesel, but he kind of isn't. That's why it's called Vinish, you know? It's just kind of a separation. It's like a bad dream. But, you know, again, that could be, you know, he's sleepwalking one of the scenes and, you know, he's doing this dance and whatever else, but it's 
there's just public emotion. And I like that the fact that it kind of is him and isn't. There's a separation, there's kind of cross between the directed and the, you know, just what is directed and what is documentary. And there's like a nice slippage or gap in that that I like working with. But all the work speak to, or just in the physical context of a space, it's all emotion in some way. It's not explicit. And also this comes from a lot of people in the last 15 years talking about my work in some regard too. It's not obvious, um, it's not the, the, the environments that I choose to make are kind of devices to add to this but it's more yeah it's just it's in a feeling that I can't I can't necessarily speak to right now but it's a feeling that's there you know and the sound piece again it's it's part of that you know but this is more the fabric of the of design of the design of the exhibition sure but I'll get to the sound thing in a minute okay um I thought it was interesting that you said it was like a bad dream um Mm because earlier we were talking about your works kind of being like a dream that you wake from and you're not really quite sure What's yeah, happening? we're trying to make sense of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah. I think you know, a long time ago, it was more the content informed the form, and now for me, it's more the form. It's a gateway drug to the content mm-hmm. for a bunch of reasons and for a bunch of other stuff. And I think now, the more I think about it, it's like everybody wants a you know didactic explanation to exactly what and how. And I think again, as I get older, for the longer I'm doing it, I look at the world with the internet and everything else like a toy store. You know what I mean? And depends what you want to do within that. And like again speaking to gesture but also like having a feeling that you can you can play how you want to play you mm-hmm. know? Um, I want to say something else the ideas from your works come from dreams or are you interested well, in, you're clearly interested in like hallucinatory kind of things yeah, I think there's a gap I think there's just a lot more at play within those things than anything else but I think you can you know there's just an opportunity to be able to or whatever floats my boat at any particular time and that's like a luxury yeah. That's like a nice thing. But, you know, there's so much in the world. There's almost no excuse anymore, you know. But you've kind of got to be single-minded about what it is you're kind of dealing with. Sure. So we've talked about works that involve animation and sound, but there's also going to be some 2D works in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how's your interest in the expressive potentials of the moving image carried into a more traditional medium like painting? Right. I think, they, for me, they came around from just, again, just getting a bit bored of point-and-shoot and everything else and what that means. The more cinema... Like, go make a movie or something. And then I stopped. I didn't make work for a, a couple of years. I just got a bit bored, or just for a bunch of reasons, I think. And then for no explained reason, just went back to the studio and re- was reworking on these particular pictures I'd been making in about 2007. And I think technology kept up with me at that point. The minute the equipment that I just happened to have in the studio that day worked, I shipped these things to a lab. They came back to my studio in a couple of days. And I hadn't made a thing in two years or so. And it was just exactly what I'd been, I guess, unconsciously looking for or something, which is like, you know, this pictorial history of something. And not just process porn, not just the process of a picture, just just um, um, speaking to a traditional-based thing, which is a European-based sport, which is oil painting. But then by scanning and everything else and getting it to where I wanted to, it finally came back to represent the thing that I'd been looking for. And so once they, you know, once they're the decision was made in terms of the framing and they're like electric pictures it was more like okay that speaks to the now right but physically they're I mean they're you know cibachrome prints or whatever mm-hmm. but they end up becoming reflexive sculptures and kind of speak to painting and so most of the conversation about those pieces is a, is a, is a painting discourse even though they're kind of technology based and I like the idea that it's like you know if they're speaking to de Kooning or anything else sure there's like gesture in there it comes back to my hand and painting yeah. but then again there's like you know, really 
rudimentary Photoshop that occurs and other stuff. So there's still poetry in there, mm. but they become these odd mechanism things, you know, that are like electric paintings, really, more than anything else. That's the best way I can kind of describe them. Yeah, great. So, which kind of do fit into the animation, but all to speak, they speak to this art history in, in an odd kind of way. Yeah. But again, they're, you know, without being too tech about it, you know, that, you know, they're things that are a representation of now. And, you know, they can, um, you know, I can gesture paint whatever I want in that version of. So in the backspace where I'm doing the sound piece at Echo, there's, I think it's like a salon, I think there's three or four of these small pictures, which are, you know, um, I'm using the device of tiles on those walls. So that's a very electric kind of a live room, you know. So again, the use of film, like it's a very video heavy show, which I kind of wasn't planning on doing. But again, you wouldn't really know because of the way in which it's lit and everything else. It's not like a, there's nothing black boxy about what's happening at Akka, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about that, those tiled walls and the combination with the carpet. It's going to be a very kind of colourful exhibition. I yeah. Guess. yeah. Um, and how important is colour to you? Incredible. I think it always has been more than anything else. You know what I mean? But I've done black and white series of things and other things. But I think we live in colour and that's, that's kind of an interpretation of that. But I think when you're dealing with a space of this size, and again, rethinking about The Sims and other worlds like Second Life and other things, it's, it's just a nice opportunity to create something completely itself, you know, and colour just completely as that. So the yellow is a very sunsetty. Um, it's a, evoking a feeling, but also in regards to the title of the show, which is Love and Squalor, which is a subtle reference, but a reference. To J.D. Salinger's Nine Stories of Esme with Love and Squalor, the last uh, story, which is called Teddy, and the last line of that story, I read as a kid and then I reread a few years ago and always wanted to use it as a, as a title or just this idea anyway. The protagonists are on a, on a cruise ship and then the last sentence, without giving too much away, well, they're in a, a pool that's empty and there's a scream and so obviously someone's dead, but it's kind of ambiguous as to what has happened. But there's an echo of that sound that something has gone on in that pool. And I'd always thought, God, it'd be really nice to recreate that pool in some way. This is a formal kind of device. And so originally, you know, that's what I thought would be amazing to tile the whole mm. large space at Akka. But I mean, what's delightful about the sound piece, that's, again, it's just a trigger, you know, like a poetry trigger, but it's still a pool in a weird way, which is a reference to this book. But again, it's gestural. Mm. You know, these are just like red herrings or just like these are just subplots that I'm putting in. You yeah. Know, you don't have to know at all. Well, it's nice to know. I didn't know that. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you the go. The tiles yeah, make yeah, yeah. a little more sense. Yeah, yeah. But um, I've always used those as devices, you yeah. know, when I did that at the Biennale last year or whatever. Oh, the floor it's on, you can, you know, the opera house is directly across. So it's like the New York subway tiles, but it's like just an apps, you know, I would love to build the opera house tiles, you know, but that's a totally different singular operation. But, you know, the devices for the pictures, but there's always something geographic that's, that's going on or some reference. So is there some, anything in particular that you're excited about in preparation for this show? Because a lot of the works are in development. Mm. still kind of a lot up Getting here. Getting it done, I think. Getting it up. Uh, no, just, ex just excited to be able to play on that scale, I think. Or also just punking a space in terms of, like, just it's absurd, the scale of that large room. You know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, but at the same time, yeah, what do you do? You know, um, just looking forward to the flow, the sound bleed and everything else and all these intentional kind of devices that I've used to seeing them all in play and, and just the relationships with each work. And then I think um, I kind of like that it's just not about one work. People, I don't know, people's subjectivity or how they experience work or whatever, but after it, just having some feeling of that is an entire kind of piece in some kind of way. So for me, it's just, I think I'll know once we start installing or once I see it. 
Yeah. And it's just this one delightful moment, if anything, once you've had the idea of everything. So, you know, this works, you know, they're a couple of years old and then there's new works, but seeing them all together and seeing it how I wanted the configuration to evoke whatever once you know once that is all up and running and i've got that five minute joyous moment to go okay that's great and then i'll just move on to the next thing um and you mentioned before that while you've been in melbourne you've been doing some research for various upcoming things so after aka what what does the future hold what have you got coming up Mm. well at the same time it wasn't planned but at the same time um we're doing the book as well that I'm excited about, but we're doing um, just a solo show of all new work, mainly paintings, the, um, at Station Gallery in Melbourne, which opens on the 22nd, I think. But that's a, yeah. So I'm launching a bunch of new things. So all these new UV paintings that I've been working on for a while, but they're only getting produced today, I think, in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've made, I've made some nice factory connections in Melbourne, aluminium people that I've been working with for a little while, and that's all coming to fruition. And, there's an old GIF animation that I think I'm showing as well. and So, yeah, it's like a lot. Yeah, awesome collages as well that kind of have activated themselves as backgrounds for certain animations and things. And So, yeah, there's a lot. So that, and then I've got a few things at the end of the year in New York. But after this, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to have a little break, I think. You know, just got to get this baby done. Yeah. But more than anything, yeah, I mean, back to the dream thing, I think, you know, it's... um. It's, yeah, it's nice to wake up from a dream and, and not know exactly, specifically what it is, but kind of reconsider that and, 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 and um, re-evaluate that with your friends or whatever else, and I think that's kind of a nice way of, of working for me at the moment, just not being, you're not holding the ball too tight and, and being like, this is exactly this. And the cartoons are really kind of the perfect kind of stand-in for me at the moment with that, that represent that, particularly in terms of, of language than anything else, you know. But plus, I love Looney Tunes, you know what I mean? It comes from that as well. It comes from Disney and Looney Tunes. So, you know, this is my flight of fancy at the moment. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the exhibition will be quite dreamlike. Yeah. In its experience We'll, as we'll, well see. Yeah, exciting. we'll see. Oh, sorry, I'm a little bit sick, but I think... Yeah, um, but once we're all... Yeah, once we're up and running, it'll just be nice to see see, see that and see an audience in there and, you know, and talk about it. Great. Well, that might be a good point to leave it. Yeah, and you've been wonderful to work with. So this you is all, too. This is good. <laughs> Thanks, This Jim. is really good. Thank you very much. Great.